We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. Hey guys, got a different episode for you today. Had some good times and some very good conversation with our friends over at Nick's Film School, John and Andrew. Uh, the day before opening day, it was Tuesday this week, and uh, we the episode went out on their feed on Wednesday, and uh, we're dropping it today just because it's an off day, and we had some really good conversation. It was a lot of fun, not all about the Yankees, but for the most part, around baseball and New York, we, we actually did a ranking of all of the eight New York professional sports teams, which I thought was a fun conversation. And uh, these guys were talking to me and asking me about the, you know, the different rivalries in the Yankees world at this point right now. And uh, yeah, so I get my feedback on that and a lot of different, you know, just things on the, on the team, what's coming this year and uh, the, the sport uh, of baseball in general, but it was a lot of fun. You know, I think going over to some of these other New York shows, uh, especially from different sports is, is always, uh, is always fun to see the different different mindsets and how different fan bases approach their teams. And, and, you know, obviously there are a lot of Knicks fans that are Yankees fans, Yankees fans that are Knicks fans and Knicks fans have been suffering for, uh, for a long time now because the team has been pretty terrible, but, um, they have a little bit of light and, uh, and so we caught them at a good time and this was a lot of fun. So we're putting that on our feed as well. Also a fellow blue wire podcast. Uh, always nice to do some crossover with those guys as well. Um, but uh, a couple more things. Yeah. Opening day yesterday. You know, obviously not what we wanted. Definitely want the win, especially with Garrett Cole on the mound. But um, if I'm looking for, uh, if I'm going glass half full, looking for some positives, our boy Gary Sanchez, uh, you know, you can't have much of a better start than than what he looked. Two-run shot, um, had some good defense, threw a guy out. So he looked good, and, and I'm, I'm glad he's getting off to a hot start. That's a, a necessity, I think, for for him to uh, come back and have a, a rebound year and hopefully a a monster year, what he's capable of. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but hopefully uh, he can continue that. Yankees left a ton of runners on base. Unfortunately, that has been the story for this team for a very long time. Way too many strikeouts, not enough bats to ball. Um, one of the guys that I'm hoping is going to to change the the lineup around a little bit and and give them more contact, give them more of the ability to you know spray the ball around the field. Obviously, DJ LeMay who does that, but Clint Frazier uh, had had a good day. You know, uh, a couple hits, uh, really good walk. Uh, to get, you know, to get the Yankees into position to win that game um, in the I think it was seventh or eighth inning, but the 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 bats just could not 
could not come around and uh, and and you know get that big hit. Shit, they even need a fly ball or a you know a hot ground ball somewhere, not not at a a position player playing in, but could not get the job done. Going back on Saturday uh, and Sunday, hopefully going to take the next two uh, because the from here really the Blue Jays pitching is is much different than than Ryu on on opening day. So these guys need to start um, getting those bats together. One game, what are you going to do? Um, it was nice to see the fans out there. It was nice to see some of the, you know, the traditions of opening day, Bernie throwing up the first pitch. Uh, that was good stuff. So um looking forward to the weekend, uh, you know, and, and seeing, seeing our guys pitch. We got Kluber throwing on Saturday and then on Sunday, her, uh, her mom Montgomery on Monday against the Orioles. So um, we will get back to our programming next week. We're, we're starting the new schedule of what we're going to be uh, rolling out during the regular season. We'll talk about more that uh, talk about that on the the Monday release show that we're gonna that we're gonna record on Sunday. So enjoy this one, guys. It's a little bit of a different feel, but a lot of fun. These guys are really good. If you're Knicks fans, definitely go check them out. Uh, John Macri is uh, is really good on the mic, and he has some pretty epic rants, to be honest, uh, on Twitter. And he does uh, they do a YouTube as well, and uh, I believe they also have a um, a newsletter. So check them out if you're Knicks fans as well. Knicks Film School. All right, guys, I will talk to you on Monday. Go Yankees. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, I am I'm, I'm full transparency. I'm very excited to do this one because, as you know from listening to the show, I talk about the Knicks basically 24-7. So when I get an opportunity to kind of still talk about the Knicks, but also not really talk about the Knicks and branch out a little bit. It's exciting for me. And um, well, if you're listening to this podcast, I have a feeling you're going to enjoy this one. Um, he is uh, the king of all things New York Yankees. Um, he is the founder of Bronx Pitchstripes. Um, you could hear him on the Bronx Pitchstripe show. Um, he is also a friend of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, which is uh, how we got him here today. Uh, the one and only Scott Ryan. And Scott, how are you, sir? Doing well, fellas. Thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate this. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's good. A lot of Yankees fans are Knicks fans. I think a lot of Knicks fans are Yankees fans. Maybe not all, but there are some. And maybe not even any on this podcast. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we're, <laughs> trust me, we're gonna we're gonna get into that. Um, so obviously, you know, we're we're having you on because uh, the baseball season starts in. Well, let's see this this podcast is dropping on Wednesday. When when it, I should know this? When is opening? Thursday. Thursday at one, baby. We got we got we got season. Uh, the season is starting on time, which is a is a, is just a great thing to see considering what what last year was. Did you? I, I'll, I'm gonna already divert off course. Did you expect it to start on time, or is this a little bit of a surprise for you? Yeah, I think so. I think this year they they seem to have ducks in a row a little bit more, right? I mean, it wasn't new, I guess, whereas last year it was new. Last year, this time, I think it was March 14th, the Saturday, we had, uh, we, we do some events and we had the George Steinbrenner Field, we had 200 people uh, come into a game down there at spring training with oh, the wow. bullpen club up top reserved for, for 200 people up there. And we had to cancel the, the event like two days before that. So it Ugh. was, uh, it was a wild time. They were adjusting on the fly this year. You know, they, they've gotten some time underneath them where they can adjust to the protocols and, you know, hopefully some of these guys are getting, uh, getting their vaccinations as well. So hopefully we will uh, see a full season. Um, I hope so too. Um, I mean, look, baseball is, I, Look, this is the mecca of basketball. Um, it's part of why I love to do this podcast. But, like, I'm the son of a man who worships, worshipped, still worships Mickey Mantle. Um, this is a baseball town. It's always going to be a baseball town, I think, first and foremost. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, but it's it's a big deal when a new baseball season starts. So I, I'm excited. I'm happy. It's probably going to get off, hopefully without a hitch. Um, before we get into the the nitty gritty of some of the, maybe the interplay between these teams and the fan bases and all that kind of stuff. Uh, how are you feeling about the Yankees going into this year? That's probably a good place to start as any. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm excited. Uh, again, I think the, ma the majority, you, you said it right. Like baseball is the start of, of a new sports year, just in general, yeah. you have this, you have springtime, you have baseball. It's just the sounds they're, they're different than other sports. They're just a little different. And I think we all grew up 
with baseball as being that romanticized sport more than probably any because of the outdoor, because of the the fact that we all play young and, you know, it's, it's very much a family, a family game that's passed down. You watch it with your family, you do a lot of different things that, that have to do with, uh, you know, getting together. So the, that alone, because of last year, you, I put it on a pedestal even more, right? Because it's, I missed it. I missed it every year of my life. I've had that, um, except for that one time. Yeah. And it was just, it was just very strange. So I'm very excited. The Yankees specifically, I think they have an opportunity to go out and win a world series this year. I think that's what they, uh, they, they try to do every single year, obviously, but I do, I, this team is ready to go. They were ready to go last year. They were ready to go the year before that they should be ready to compete on a yearly basis. The, the, um, the Yankees, the ownership, the Steinbrenners put them in a position, I think, to do that. And it's a matter of just coming through in these clutch moments. It's a matter of uh, having enough depth. They've been riddled with injuries over the past few years um, as of, you know, a, a bunch of a bunch of clubs. But the Yankees really have been hit hard. So they found some depth pieces. You know, they found some uh, some guys that I think they didn't expect to, to come out and uh, and to be major contributors. Um, and, and then there was a youth movement really kicking off in 2016 with these new the new wave of, uh, of homegrown Yankees that we were getting, which is just fun. That's just a, that's like my, I think one of my biggest, uh, my biggest joys in when I'm watching the game is watching some of the young guys develop and the homegrown guys, of course, like those are the ones you root for the most. Uh, it's like having a, a guy drafted, like that's the guy you're rooting, that's your guy. So um, I'm excited for it. The pitching staff's going to be uh, interesting. They have a bunch of veterans sprinkled in with Garrett Cole uh, and uh, a couple young guys too, that could make an impact. And then the offense is loaded. I mean, if they stay healthy, they're going to be up there with anybody. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So you just said something that is, I think a lot of Nick fans can appreciate. And you just said something that as a Nick fan, I can't relate to no matter how hard I could possibly try the, the, the youth movement thing in terms of like, that's been really fun for you. Like I've, I've spoken about it on this podcast a few times, like the, um, the 2018-19 Knicks season, um, which if you remember it, God bless you because you shouldn't. Um, they won 17 games and it was, but we had Mitchell Robinson, who's obviously now hurt, which sucks, but like he was coming up, he was doing exciting stuff. Um, they had Frank Nilakina here, who was drafted the year before. Last year, we got RJ Barrett. It's like, I'm with you on that one. There is something about when you draft the kid and the kid comes up in your system that's awesome. The other part of it, when you said the Yankees, it's the Yankees. We expect to win the World Series every year. We try to win the World Series every year. That is such a foreign concept to myself, to most Knicks fans. I don't even know how to relate to that. Like, we're sitting here watching the season, and as Andrew was just talking about before, we're sitting here, we're 24 and 23 as we record this. Um, It's been a really fun time for Knicks fans. For Yankee fans, I'm just wondering, it's like, there's now been, I guess, four, four straight pretty disappointing playoff finishes. Like how, how is the fan base like general? I know you're excited, clearly. How is the fan base feeling about the Yankees? How is the fan base feeling about being Yankee fans right now? I mean, everybody's in a good place. The, the Yankees signed Garrett Cole last year, right? The, at, at that point, the, the best pitcher in baseball up there with, with probably Jacob DeGrom is the best two pitchers in baseball. But you're looking at, uh, in 2016, when they, when they went out and, and decided to, uh, make it, make a very un-Yankee move and they made, they traded people away at, at the deadline, which doesn't happen uh, with the New York Yankees. Um, and then you have this youth movement of guys who are, who are coming up and actually playing much better than you expected. You expect them to not do, you know, the expectations are low. And that's a, that's a big deal in New York. I think having the expectations, understanding where they are and then, and then you're feeling towards whatever that season is. But we had Gary Sanchez coming out, look like Babe Ruth come hitting the ball, uh, come out of the game. I mean, the dude was literally on a Babe Ruth tear. It was ridiculous. Um, so you had some of these new guys coming up and you, you felt it. It was, it was a, it was, it was something exciting. 2017. I think when you see all those young guys, you're expecting them two years, three years, maybe that's the window, like three years, two years, they could compete at that point. But in 2017, they had a, I love the roster in 17 because they had a construction of young guys, veteran guys, very similar to the early construction of the, those nineties teams. When you saw, you know, the young guys of that era coming up, the Jeters, the Bernies, the, um, you know, that, that world. And then you, they sprinkled in the veteran players that were not only complimentary, but a few superstars as well, but, but they gelled, they, they worked really well. The construction was felt similar with Matt holiday and Todd Frazier and, and judge and Sanchez and these guys. So 
Um, they played better, I think, in 17 and had a better year than anybody expected. And that was fun. That was a lot of fun coming back in Cleveland to win that series. And then, of course, losing to the Astros uh, in the ALCS, which looking back hurts even more, understanding what that opportunity could have been and what should have been. Um, so at that point, like now you're two to three window your window is out the door, right? It's gone. Yeah. Now you're like, okay, we got to win. We just tasted it. We it's know that time. they can do this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they lost, they, they lost, you know, at the end here and, and we're ready to go. So now expectations are lofty. Uh, they go out and sign Garrett Cole. You better, you better compete for a world series. And I think at this point, anything less is a disappointment. I'm, I'm just hearing you talk about the, the construction of the rosters. And um, so I was a massive Yankee fan in the, the late nineties and into the early two thousands. Um, and I remember those teams well, and just reflecting back as I'm hearing you talk about it, I never thought for a second, like, oh, we have the kids, but at the same time, we have like the right veterans that have been brought in. You just brought it up that that's still something that obviously goes on in baseball now. In the NBA, it's weird because there's this, I don't know if it's a talking point or if it's a legit thing that like, you have to be on the same timeline. Like all your whole team has to be on, like if like the Knicks right now, their best players, I would argue are 20, 21 and 26, right? If they went this summer and signed, you know, 32 year old DeMar DeRozan, I'm just pulling a name out of my rear sure. end. Like people would be up in arms because they're like, he's 32. RJ Barrett's 20. Like, how does this work? It, that doesn't seem like people in baseball care about that. You're just putting together the best roster possible, right? Yeah. Well, I think with the young guys in baseball, it's different, right? Because it takes so long for them to get to the major leagues. You you understand where your window of opportunity is. And there's nine guys on the field. And then you, you know, and then you have pitchers behind them. And it's just such a big roster that you have to have these complementary pieces that have their own little role. Whereas I think in basketball, you know, you have your starting five and then you have the bench. I, I understand that. You you do. I think there's a, there's a, um, the young guys, it's hard to win in the NBA as a young guy consistently. Yeah. So you have your veteran guys. And if you bring in uh, and spend too much money on a guy with, with, with other players that haven't developed into that type of player who can win in the playoffs and deep into the playoffs and uh, play for that championship, then you're like, what are we doing? Why are we wasting our shots at this point? Um, so at that point, you're looking at almost development until those guys are ready to go and, and really compete. And at that moment, you surround them with the people. And that's why I, I have a feeling you see all these super teams. These guys are all just at this point ready to go. And hmm. and they they want to band together. I mean, it, unfortunately, the Nets were the, the one of the prime examples of how that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you see you see uh, it's different because I think there's smaller windows of opportunity for in basketball, whereas baseball it's such a longer play for development that you gotta, you have those, those opportunities and you better, you know, plug them in when you have um, young guys ready to, to, to compete in their mid twenties, you better plug around guys who are ready to win and know how to win. I think it's a different animal. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the Yankees have, I, I would argue towed that line as well as anyone in baseball over the last what, two and a half decades now. Um, do you get the sense that like, Yankee fans still appreciate regular season success. Um, again, referencing the Knicks, like it's all, in some ways that like th this is the most fun season. I, I think in some ways that we've had in the last 20 years. Um, yeah. I, I know Andrew has some opinions on 2012, 13, um, which whatever you, it's one of the two most fun seasons of the last 20 years. And again, we're sitting here talking about this. We're a game over 500. Is it just like, is it so expected now from Yankee fans? Like we're just going to win whatever 95 games or, or is it still fun? It's a tough question. I think it depends who you ask, to be honest. And again, I think it goes back to expectations. You guys have, you have, you've been demoralized for a long time as Knicks fans, right? Like you're like, what's going on here? You have the bit. opportunity for that to happen. <laughs> Look, I, I will get to our teams later, but I, I, I'm also a Jets fan. Unfortunately, like there's things that have happened to me that have been, uh, <laughs> I've been, I've been tortured. There's a tortured past here with, with some things. So there are things um, that have happened to me. That is yeah. that, talk about it's on a t-shirt for Jeff fans. I, <laughs> I've gotten very angry. I'm an emotional fan. So the, the answer is yes. There's definitely a level of expectations now. And, and uh, I, I think as a younger fan, also the, 
you want to win every single game as an old, as I'm getting older, I'm not going to say as an older fan, but as I'm getting older and I, you know, I have a, a, a kid who's three, three and a half years old now. And I'm like seeing different sides of it. I've been covering the team for 10 plus years. It just looks different. And I appreciate the smaller things about the team, I think. And um, so I like watching the development. I like, I like the, 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 you know, the intricacies of baseball and watching some of these guys go through the different phases that they go through in a season. So I, I like that part of it. Uh, but there's definitely an expectation to win. And the, and the regular season definitely gets longer and longer and longer and longer until last year when it was shorter. But yeah. the 162, you expect the Yankees to be there at the end. So yes, some games, while they all count the same in April and May, don't feel the same as they do in, uh, you know, post All-Star break. But uh, there's an expectation to win for sure. Um, I think, you know, because of that, um, is I'm almost wondering... <laughs> Is it easier for fans when like you lose a game or you lose a couple of games or you have a, you know, a two and five week to put the target on a particular play? Like we have Alfred Payton, right? As Nick fans. I don't know if you know who Alfred Payton is. Again, if you don't know who Alfred Payton is, God bless you. Um, <laughs> he, he's the starting point guard for the team. He's, he's not very good. Um, but like it does, it, it, this happened, you know, we just had a Miami game where it was it his fault. They lost the game. No. Did I go on a rant comparing Alfred Payton to dirty underwear after the game? Yes, I did. Um, because that. it was an interesting, it went, it went down an interesting path. It, it did go I down. An mother, I have a mother that goes the same, it would do the same thing. <laughs> so so I, I understand, while, while, while it went down a weird path, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> you appreciate it. That makes me happy. Um, is there a guy like that for Yankee fans who, if things are going poorly, it doesn't even matter how good of a game or a bad game he had. You just like, he's going to get the shit. There's a lot of guys that you could put place that blame on uh, again with a bigger roster, I think, but it, it goes back. It goes down to the, who we're paying the most, I think really. Um, a oh, wait, like I know Jared this one. Cole. Is it, yeah. Is it Giancarlo Stanton? Is that, he, easy, easy one, easy scapegoat, very okay. easy scapegoat because he's getting paid an insane amount of money. Garrett Cole, while he is not an easy scapegoat because he's getting paid money, because he just doesn't, he just doesn't do badly. He, the guy's just <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, so it's hard to, to identify him as, as one of those people. If, even if he has a, a you know, a, if he's not shutting people out, shutting guys out, like you're like, what's going on here? You know, it's, he's that type of guy, uh, but he's very meticulous. Stanton on the other hand can look lost at the plate and you see the amount of money and look lost. Uh, but at, at other points, you remember like the guy when he's locked in and in a good place, he's lethal. So, and, and we saw that at the end of last year. Stan's a great one. Gary Sanchez very much is a scapegoat, big scapegoat. A guy that shows all the potential in the world. Again, like I said, 2016 came out, you know, guns blazing, ready to go. And, and just hasn't 2017 good year. Um, but has, has definitely had some, some terrible years on top of that. So you're, when you see expectations for me, it's more the guys that have the potential and then don't live up to it. Drive me nuts. They drive me insane. The guys that have the physical abilities, the tools ready to go. And you're like, why is this not working? This should be working. Why is it not working? And those <laughs> drive me insane. Yeah, no, I could appreciate that. Uh, we've had a few of those pass through, through the, uh, through the garden over the years. Um, one thing you guys haven't had to deal with for I seemingly forever, two and a half decades is uh, finding a new person to call the shots because Brian Cashman has been at this now for, uh, I believe, 26 years. Um, in the NBA, like, you know, we have Pop uh, with San Antonio. Um, this is, I, I think, his 20, yeah, I think it's his 26th year. Wow. They might have come in in the same year. Andrew, you want to look that up? Because I, I feel like that, that would be interesting. But, like, you talk about Greg Popovich in NBA circles, and it's like, he's beyond revered. He's I think sure. he's revered in San Antonio. I think he's revered just in general like any NBA city. And I feel like just again, from my vantage point, kind of an outsider looking in Cashman, isn't quite held in that regard. Is that like, because he has the open checkbook or, or am I misreading it? Is he actually held in like, or, or do, or do Yankee fans want him like on the way out? No, I mean, I, I think Yankee fans are, are good with cash. You get your, 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 uh, you know, your little, side arguments against him. I mean, you, you could talk about the fact that when he trades for pitching, it's not usually done in a way that works out for the Yankees. He's had opportunities to, to really make his mark on the pitching side of things through via trade and hasn't really, you know, found that window. In fact, he's had, had some pretty terrible trades, but there's been some good, good stuff that's happened as well. Do you have I, a I worst, I, a worst one? Is there uh, like a, there's a couple worst ones. Yeah. The, uh, the, off the top of my head. So the Michael Pineda for Jesus Montero, Jesus Montero was a big, 
was the number one prospect coming up in a, at a time where there just weren't very many good prospects for the Yankees. Catcher, Both right? Them, catcher prospect? He was a catcher, yeah. But some would say he, he was probably better to be a... At, at the end of his career, he was fighting ice cream guys in the uh, in the in the stands. Like that that was the relationship when he went to Seattle. But uh, that was for Michael Pineda. It didn't work out on either side of it. Um, but you look at some of the ba- Sonny Gray is another really just it just didn't work out. But you look at what they gave up for him. It really wasn't um, anything that amounted to anything else on the other side. So he's just missed on some. But there's also sure. been some some good um, you know position players and also. I don't think across baseball that the, when you look at the GMs, there's as much like, you know, I don't think it's looked in the same light in, 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 uh, in baseball as it is in basketball. I feel like the basketball fan, the, the hardcore basketball fans, like very much know what's happening on all the other teams. Whereas baseball, you could be a hardcore baseball fan in a given city and really just not have a full landscape of what's happening across the league. So many That's teams, so many games. I don't think it's as much. I think Brian Cashman among GMs has a, one of the best reputations and has, um, you know, a, a solid reputation across baseball for sure. Um, and he came up with, you know, under Gene Stick Michael, who was the architect of those '90s teams. So there's there's a there's a or, organizational. He, he started as an intern. Like he's got the story that came up through the Yankees, and he's been there through a lot of the good times. And then yeah, this this lull since you know 2009. But I think he's got a very good reputation overall. Yeah, and thank you, Andrew. He just looked it up. So Cash technically took over in '98, but he was, like you said, he was in the organization before that. So it's like it's interesting because he came up like in the midst of the championships, but they weren't his teams that he built. So really, he only has one. Is that how it's looked at by Yankee fans that he only has one? That only one is like really his championship, or is is that not how people see it? Well, I, I think the early teams for sure were Stick Michael. I, everybody kind of understands that Stick Michael was a big reason why those teams were put together in the way that they were. So, so yeah, you look at the you know some of the bigger moves that that Cashman made. Um, you know, looking at when when CC came over, mm. um, and you know they 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 really made a, a run there. Brian McCann. Um, these were that that's that's a big legacy for him and, and he needs to back it up for sure. And with this young crop of talent, that's why everybody at this point, you know, like they're getting older, we're getting out of arbitration, we're about, you know, ready to either ex, you know offer large contracts to these guys or not. They gotta win. Like this is a big two-year window for for the next uh for for Brian Cashman and for Aaron Boone, uh, because they have this talent ready to go. Um, Aaron Boone is good manager. It depends who you ask. I think he's all right. He's <laughs> I'm asking stuff. you. I'm asking he's, you. He's, he's, he's fine. I mean, he doesn't do anything. He, I don't think the, I think that at this point in baseball, a lot of these guys are such relationship driven managers. Okay. There's so many decisions being made in the, in the, the, with the nerds, as we say in the yeah. tunnel, as these, all the stats are being, are really, you know, making these decisions for these guys or influencing them in a heavy way. So you look at what the actual impact of a guy is when you're, and you, to me, I go to the playoffs. I start looking at these big games and understand like, okay, do you have a pulse for when a guy's ready to come out? Do you, are you looking at just numbers? Look at black uh, last year with um, uh, Kevin cash uh, pulling, uh, pulling Blake Snell in, in game six, when he was ready to go, he was cruising and he was at a, a specific, you know, pitch count in an inning and he pulled them because that's what they do. Doesn't matter what's in, there's no eye test. It's just what they do. And I think there's too many of these guys that that unfortunately fall under that that path. And Boone's trying to, I think, establish himself as a guy that he can make these decisions. And I think he's getting better at it. But okay. you know, I think that he's got to be. He's made some bonehead decisions too. He made some really big bonehead pitching decisions that that just you know you you see the uh, inexperience a lot. Okay. So I, I'm I'm okay with him though. Right now, I, I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think we could do that much better or that much worse to be honest. <laughs> a ringing endorsement if there ever was one. Um, so uh, two parter now. Um, I'll preface this by saying the Knicks again just played the Heat. I'm uh, God. How old am I? I'm 37 years old. So I like for me, it depends. It, you can always tell the age of a Nick fan. If you ask them, who's the Knicks biggest rival? Cause you get like, if someone's older over 40, actually, no, if you get someone that's over like 50, I feel like it's gonna be the Celtics. If you get someone that's like a few years older than me, it's going to be the bulls. You get someone right around my age, maybe a little bit younger. It's going to be the heat or the Pacers. So for me, it was those rivalries. 
I haven't felt the rivalry in 20 years. I'll just be honest. Like, cause we've sucked. And like the little bit of time that we were good, there wasn't enough time to develop those rivalries. Now it feels like we're starting to develop it again. A little bit with Miami. We'll see what, maybe with Brooklyn will, will come up. Um, one, who is the Yankees biggest rival right now? Um, and two, I, I can tell you're confident about the team this year, but who is the team that you fear the most for the Yankees in, in this uh, baseball season? So I, you're right. The rivalries, well, they change and it depends on who you're asking based on the, uh, I think the, the age, the, when you started watching it. So the obvious answer, the easy answer here would be the Red Sox, but it's not, it's not the case. That's not, that's definitely not the biggest rival really on the field anymore because they're, you know, I think, unfortunately you go back to, you know, 2004 when the Red Sox uh, came back and, and they won and they beat the Yankees and they came back from a 3-0 deficit and then they went and they won um, the World Series and then they won a couple more World Series. At that point, there, there was just a different feeling between the teams. The Red Sox had won, whereas before the, the, the Yankees had always won. There was never an opportunity when the Yankees didn't win. They always, they always you know, flushed it, flushed it out and, and beat the Red Sox. When you get that, that little bit of uh, a taste of winning, I, it's the rivalry feels different at that point, right? And then you go through a period of time where a team's not good and it dies out. It just dies out because it's not as much fun. It's not heated anymore. And the players have all moved on. So now you're in a new group of players and you're trying to establish those uh, those same feelings with the same guys, but you can tell that they don't feel it as much on the field. And that definitely comes mm. through, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'd say right now, you know, two years, it's the Astros were definitely the, the team. In 2017, hot... I hated the Astros more than I hated anybody. Then the whole scandal thing came. I hated them even more with a, with a much larger disdain uh, for, for very different reasons. I, you know, I respect, I, I, I like to respect my rival because it's more fun and they're good. But at the same time, there's a, there's a special type of, of, of hatred that lives between the lines that you can muster up. Can I ask, is that Yankee specific? Or, well, not, I know it's not Yankee specific because I know all of baseball hates the Astros to a certain extent, but do the Yankees, do you think the Yankees and Yankee fans hate them like more than any other fan base? Yes. Oh fa- yes, absolutely. They, they, the, the Astros uh, got rid of the Yankees in 2017 when they were again, not expected that year, but as the pro- the playoffs went on, they just, they, you felt it. They, they were playing well. They came back against Cleveland. They were, they, you know, they took it to, um, to Houston. They, they won games. They were not supposed to win at that point. And then, and then it was over and the, and the, the Astros uh, beat them. And you look back at that window and how that could have changed what 2018 uh, was, what, what 2019 was with the Yankees after a team that if they win that, if they win that series, let's say they're not, they don't have the, the cheating scandal. They don't, they don't know the pitches that are coming and the Yankees come out and they go to the world series. Very good chance. They win that world series. Now that's a different team, right? A different feeling. They've won an ALCS. They've mm. they've won a, a World Series or even getting to a World Series. As kids, as young players. As kids. I mean, talk about the, the level of confidence you have now uh, as, as, as and just as, as a player going into that next year. And there's a, who knows how, how the, the, the history books change if that's the case. But I do think it does change. I think that you could see the Yankees going on a, a bit of a run there. And yeah, so that it, it, when you look back at how that happened now that we know, it stings. It does. There's no doubt. So, and the fact that they just don't shut up and they just, they, they downplay it and they just keep talking about it. Like it's nothing. It's like, what are you doing? You, you've, you cheated. We, we all know it's, we know you did it. And then they're, they're just arrogant as all hell. So yeah, we don't like them they're, And I say, we, as the a fan base. Well, well um, said, um, Tampa, and- Tampa's getting up there though. Tampa is definitely a, a, a team that is They've they've gotten good, man. They're they're also they're also very um they're not top heavy, they're pesky. They're they're balanced all the way through. They got no name guys that are coming out uh that are throwing hundred miles an hour, the the stable of horses that they, they they say they had in their bullpen. They have they're very good. And even though they lost uh a, you know Charlie Morton and uh, Blake Snell, two top of their, their the top line pitchers that they had, I expect them to turn it over and, and probably produce two guys that will fit the bill and they'll be there at the end. So I think that's probably their their biggest in-division rival as well uh, and probably their biggest, you know, um, deterrent from winning the AL East too. Okay. Um, any, is there anybody in the NL you're already thinking about or you're not even worried about that yet? I, I tend to not worry. I mean, the Dodgers obviously are just insanely stacked. The, the team is so good. Pitching, 
hitting everything there. It's hard to find a weakness on that team. Um, the Mets have a damn good team this year too. So we'll see what happens. I was waiting to hear when they were going to come up. I figured it's Yankees fan fashion. We're just waiting for the shoe to drop to be honest, but we'll see what happens. They have a good team. They have a good pitching. (laughs) They have a good pitching staff. Uh, and they got some, I'm watching Andrew as he's listening. I know. So am I, I'm, 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 I'm more talking for the reactions in all honesty, but keep, keep it uh, going. It's great. Great. It's they they have a good team. When you have a guy like the Grom at the top of your rotation and, uh, you know, now they have, uh, you know, their shortstop, hopefully of the future, we'll see if they can lock them up, but they have a, they have a dynamic team. They really do. And they have good balance. Again, they have that good balance of, of young guys and veterans, I think. So they could make some noise. The tough division though. Uh, yes, um, and $385 million. That's what my uh, my Metropolitan Newsletter uh, told me this morning. That's what I saw, uh, the, the, the the counter, the 12-year counter. That's, uh, that's that would countering. Be, would that be the biggest contract in baseball history, or is there... Um, it's up there. I got I don't know. Bryce Harper's was was uh, was massive. Machado's was massive. You might have to jump in here. Yeah, please. Yeah, go ahead. So please. right after Harper signed his, it was literally a week later. So Harper's was 13 for 330. And that it took, right. took like that whole offseason. A week after, because Boris was holding out to make him the highest paid player ever. And he was. And a week later, Mike Trout got an extension right. for $430 million. Oh, that's right. Exactly, exactly $100 million more. Which is why Lindor has this... Well, I should be getting that. I want to get an extension to at least 40, which you talk about the shoe dropping. You don't even have to wait for it. Mets fans are, our PTSD is even worse because we're waiting for that shoe to drop as well and expecting it regardless of who the new owner is or who the new managers or who good trades are being made. So, yeah, you, you guys are, you guys have been, uh, you guys have been hurt. You guys have been hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, it's a similar you know, for the, as a Jets fan, I'm, I'm just waiting. I know even if they do the, the right thing, I'm expecting them to screw it up in a new way. somehow. See, uh, that's where we, faith. that's where we relate there, Scott. Cause yeah. like as a Jets fan, regardless of what they do this off season, whether they keep Darnold or take just uh, take Zach Wilson and then trade Darnold, um, or they make the big trade for Deshaun Watson, which obviously has other complications. Now it's yeah. going to go wrong. Like, Watson will be suspended for life. Uh, Wilson will end up being Ryan Leaf. Darnold will, if he stays here, he'll be a bust. If he goes someplace else, he'll win the Super Bowl next year. That's what's going to happen. You have PTSD, right. man. Exactly, exactly, hence until, why I'm in, until we see something different, that is what's going to happen. Until, so this, until that, the, the trend has stopped. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, that is hence why we're enjoying it just... A, a 24 and 23 Knicks season. Exactly. No expectations whatsoever. Yeah. It makes uh, sense. Um, this is probably, this is a good time. So to, to do this is, I'm really excited to do this. So uh, John Dostrensky, formerly of, of WFAN, uh, he, he's now with the ringer. Um, I think him and Bill Simmons did a, a ranking of the, the eight New York teams um, on a pod like a month or so ago. Um, we have some different allegiances. So actually, before I do this, can I, um, I haven't done a good old fashioned confessional on this, on this podcast in a while. Um, Scott, can I, can I bore you for a minute with a little confessional? Please do, please do, please do. Because so I, when we talk about eight teams, it, it hurts my soul a little bit as well. So let's just, we'll, I'll. So I was uh, raised the Yankee fan. Like I said, my dad worshiped Mickey Mantle, um, you know, like wor- worship, worship. I, we all have stories about our, you know, um, our older, uh, our, our, people in our family, like Mickey Mantle was this guy. So like, there was no choice. I was going to be a Yankee fan and it was great because I was for 96, I guess I was 13 years old. So you could do the math. Um, and then like stuck with it all through the, the two thousands. I remember the, the world series. Well, um, and then my life started to get busy and do some other shit. And like, I was finishing up law school and like, whatever. And like, I didn't have that much time to pay attention to the baseball and the team was just, it was boring. It was boring as all hell for a few years there. And I just kind of fell out of favor with baseball in general, but specifically the Yankees. I'm like, I don't enjoy watching that. And I think that speaks to me as a sports fan. And I'm like, um, you know, I, I feel like old, old school baseball heads always talk about how like, this is a sport for like real sports fans as opposed to someone like me, who's like, I need the bouncing ball to always be doing something. Um, so anyway, I got, this is a long way of saying I got a little bit more of baseball. And then I met my wife who is a diehard Met fan, born and raised Met fan. Oh, and it was, we got 
engaged. It was right as, um, you know, the, at that point, I guess it was the big, well, it was Harvey. It was, it was DeGrom, it was Syndergaard and it was, uh, Matt's and I'm forgetting, Oh, Wheeler. How could I forget that? So I kind of then adopted the Mets and we watched you know, before we had a, a kid, we like watched the Mets all summer. So I just wanted to preface this conversation by, by admitting that. And I realized that I have lost the respect of every one of my listeners, Mets fans, Yankee fans. But I just wanted to say that. And I wanted that to be out in the open before we do this. So with that in mind, I would now like us to rank the eight teams um, okay. in, in terms of, well, how should we do this, Andrew? How do you think we, in terms of fan devotion, so, rele- relevance, allegiance, like what, what are we ranking here? If it's a power rankings, the thought I had, because the reason I, I suggested this to you, John, that pod with Jastrzemski and Simmons was so infuriating because Simmons has been in LA since 2000. So he thinks he knows what's happening on the oh, East yeah, coast. That is, it's like, Oh yeah, this is absolutely how like the nets are coming and they're going to take over. And then just Strempsey just kind of went along with it. And I thought two people who actually cover New York teams can actually fill in the blank of this is a blank town, Yankee town, Nick town. And in that order. So if you wanted to do it, with the qualifications being team wins a championship, how big is the parade, and go in order of crowd size. That is how I think is the best way to do it. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Hey, well, that's let's start with one. this. Is there any discussion about who the top t- – there's no discussion about who the top team is. It's the Yankees. It's the Yankees. Mm-hmm. I, am the Yankees. In, I am inclined – I am inclined to say the Giants are second. I actually, I think it's a clear number two, to be honest. Um, Say it. Well, if, oh, hold on. Let me, I, I have to, I have to get one caveat here. I grew up in North Jersey. So I'm, I'm from Bergen County. There are other teams in play for me. Like the, I was, I grew up a huge Devils fan. So that was a, that was like a big play for me. We'll get to hockey. I understand nobody cares about hockey boomer, but the, <laughs> when you're looking at, when you're looking at the um, a Giants team, you get New York and New Jersey, right? You have two. There's, there's a, there's a, you have, you're pulling from both places. If there's a New Jersey team, you're not getting people from New York to, that are going to be a Devils fan. It's not happening. Yeah. There, there's, there are split, uh, split day. So I understand the Giants. I, I think it's a Nick. I think it's the Knicks though. I think it's the Knicks. Do you really? The, the, because the Knicks fan base is so diehard that they have been bad for a long time. I don't have to tell you guys this or anybody listening to this podcast, but the, the, the appetite for a good Knicks team is so it seems I can feel it like it's so dire like it, it's needed in 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 so many people's soul that I don't think it's the same as any other team like I really think that the, it's it runs so deep with the Knicks fans that that would if the Knicks were to win a championship next year that parade would be stupid and I think it would be way bigger uh, than a Giants parade. I mean I I wouldn't remember the parade because I'd be so drunk. Um, right. But you have to wear like a, a GoPro. Yes. Um, <laughs> here, here's the reason why my inclination was to say the Giants. I get emails and DMs all the time from older Nick fans who talk to me and they're like, I've been a season ticket holder for X amount of years. Like, I remember watching Frazier. I remember watching Monroe. I remember like this and that. And they, they, um, they're sent in to me as like, I've gotten them like kind of back interested in the team a little bit, which I love to hear that. Nothing makes me happier. But by the same token, the implication is that they have lost interest in the team and who the hell could blame them for losing interest in the team. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that who then had kids. And if they've had kids over the last 20 years, they weren't raising their kids as like that hard Nick fans. They were just like the kids were going to do what the kids want to do as opposed to the giants when, and the giants have been bad a lot over the last 20. I mean, they had, yes, they have the two super bowls, but they've also been a lot, a lot of bad. It's only 16 games a year. So like you can get like you could be a Giants household doesn't matter how so much they suck for I mean you could tough it out for 16 days a year whereas if the Knicks are bad you start off and you know they're bad and you're and you're someone who used to watch the Knicks in the 90s or the 70s or whatever like you're not going to give a shit past the first week or two weeks like that's that's my only rationale for saying that I think and and, and the reason it, and that's how I think Giants fandom has persevered more through generations. I, I, am I, I don't know if I'm making this point. Maybe you just disagree with me, but I, I, I hope I'm making the point clearly. 
No, I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's very close between the two of them. I think I think it's close. We're talking about it's like a, a, a championship next year, and we're looking at what the two teams because of the Giants have won. They've seen it. It's not as that's it's fair. In relatively recent history, whereas that's the fair. Knicks have not, and it's and it's something that would be. Um, I don't know. I think the city. You see how how the city comes out for when when there's a 500 team. Like imagine if they were, you know, well well beyond 500, what that what the city would be like. And I think that you you that's when you start to see like the bars start you know in a in a normal world, yeah. COVID non COVID world, you start to see the bars go nuts for 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 games for the Knicks, and it's happening not just on Sundays, but it's happening throughout. So there's more opportunity for that discovery as well for for new fans. And I think the city becomes alive. And I feel like you could definitely capture a lot of, uh, of new fans as well. But those old ones, the ones that have been waiting for a long time, this is like, you know, that's when they go to the, the, the nun who's, you know, been living for however long or like, we have to see this championship. So um, I think it's close though. I really do. I, I think you could flip flop either one of those. So let's call Knicks to a Giants to be um, fourth place. Gotta be the Mets, right? Right. I, I have the Mets. I have the Mets on my list. I do. Okay. It gets interesting from here, I think, because Andrew just made when, a face. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think no, the Mets, the Mets fans, they, they come out. There's no doubt that they have a, there's a big fan base. And I think the parade would be big. Um, but yeah, so I, I have Mets. I have Mets uh, okay. as well. I do. I, yeah. I think we all agree it's on a baseball Mets. town. Like you said earlier, I think at the end of the day, it is a baseball town. There's two clear teams here that, that have very loyal and dedicated fan bases. Um, Whereas basketball, I think, is a little different. Yes. Um, well, we're, we're getting to the other the other basketball team. Uh, Jets fifth. Any or is uh, do we need to have a Rangers discussion? Has anyone ever, do people have Rangers discussions anymore? Do people talk about hockey? Well, I, I think it's in a similar vein. I don't know. I don't think I'm not sure. That's also the team that fell off the, the sport that fell off for me. It was basket. I used to be a big Nets fan growing up in the days of the Brendan Byrne. Like I was one of 10 people in the Brendan Byrne shouting to my boys on the other side and they could hear me. And, <laughs> and then, uh, and then the devils, I was a huge devils fan. So, so those were, those were my teams. But when you look at, um, the Rangers, the Rangers do have a very dedicated fan base, I think is also, they, they're yearning for the next championship as well. But yeah. I think the Jets in a similar vein, you're, you're capturing Long Island. You get a lot of Jersey. I think the Jets would be bigger. So I, I do have the okay. Jets as the, after the Mets. So we got Jets fifth, Rangers sixth, which leaves us with the, um, the Islanders and the Nets. Um, and, and I put devils on my list for, out of respect, out of respect, um, out of respect. I'll say it. The Nets are the Nets deserve um, billing over it's the, Nets. the it's, Islanders. It's, it's the Nets, but I don't know who's coming to that parade. That's the problem here. I, I I have been out of the the loop as far as like the the hardcore Nets fan. So what was it? 2012, 13 when they went over was that that was the year, right? When they when they left uh, Jersey, the way that they did it rubbed Probably. me wrong. The way that they did it rubbed me wrong. The way that they was just like, eh. It was just like, eh, forget about what, what's happening. You know, they're bringing back the, the, the jerseys now, trying to like re, re, uh, reinvigorate yeah. that, that fan base. I, I don't know. It didn't sit well with me at the time and where, wherever I was in my life at that time as well. It didn't sit well with me. So I, I really, I, you know, I was not like a, at that point, I was, a, I was a big Nets fan growing up, but at that point I was okay with leaving it, right? Like I, I didn't follow them over. Um, but I'm curious who goes to, who goes to that parade? Like, how do you, how's that parade huge? Is it, is it people from Brooklyn? Is it people from Jersey? Is it, is it a I, mix? What I, is it? I'll say this. I, I, I made a, a joke at the Nets expense a few, a few weeks ago. Um, I about, saw your video about that, the, yeah. the, the whole fan base. So it's an Look, interesting dynamic. It is. They, they're getting fans. I think they are getting some fans in Brooklyn, but to your point, like, the institutional knowledge. I don't know if that's the right term for it, but it's just, there's, is it a, a fifth of, of Knicks fandom or, or for that matter, Jet fandom or any of these other teams that we're talking about? I, I, I don't know. Um, but it's interesting to hear you talk about how it rubbed you the wrong way um, because I could see that. Um, Andrew, any, any closing thoughts on, um, on the list? Okay. So um, John. Yes. The Knicks parade would be five times the size of the Giants parade. Just flat out. The Knicks I, haven't won a championship since 1973. And there's more Knicks fans than I think 
Like the Knicks are the Cowboys. Maybe because I'm like in my close knit group of there's my friends that I have through the Knicks community. And mm-hmm. then there's like my friends that I've had throughout my entire life. And then my family, family and friends. Nobody gives, I, I'm the only one who gives a shit about the Knicks. But you opened, about, you yeah, opened this show talking to Scott about how fun the 26, 2017, 20 or 2018, 2019 season was where they won 17 games. That's what Knicks film school like took off during a season. They won 17 games because yeah, people I, care about this team to an irrational level. level. But yes, is it a niche? Yeah, that's that too. But is it a niche? That's what I always come back this to. It's a niche the, list. No, but I'm saying in terms of like, it, it depends how we're characterizing the list. Is it just like the, the total, is it how deeply the, the most intimate group of fans care or is it about the most people that care? And it doesn't matter if they care the most or, or you know, like there's different ways to define this. And that's why I, I think it's an interesting conversation. Well, I'd actually go to Scott then and ask, is there any argument to put the Knicks over the Yankees that the Knicks would be one? No, you do you think no matter what this is a Yankee town before it's yeah, ever a Knicks town? I think practically every Knicks fan is a Yankees fan for the majority of them. That's at least growing up. That's that's the way it was always. It was always Yankees, Knicks, Rangers, Giants, uh, and then you know the flip side. Some people get mixed up in the middle, as I did with you know different relatives pushing you into allegiances <laughs> by bringing you to games as young kids and ruining the rest of your football life. That that's a, a completely side topic, but. I think that the Yankees are the team in New York, but I, I really don't think the Knicks are all that far off. But Yankees fans come from Connecticut. They're upstate. Yeah. They're coming from Jersey. Yeah. They're coming from there. It's just a huge fan base because there are so many games also um, on, a, on a baseball you know, schedule that, that there's more opportunities to become fans, I think. My only counter would be that if you're a Yankee fan, as long as you've been, you've seen five championships. So not that you get sick of it, but the immediacy of, oh my God, the Knicks actually did it, would actually create like a once in a lifetime thing. No. If That's a different conversation though. Right, so that, that's why I, the yeah, parade side into is this I one. I leads I, into this I, one yeah. for the Knicks and the Giants because I think because of the situation, the Knicks would be much bigger. Do I think the fan bases are bigger for the Knicks, like larger, or the Giants? I, They're probably close. But the excitement for a Knicks championship and the, the a parade, if that's how we were doing it, Oh, I, mean, I think- honestly like, that would be huge. Forget New York. I actually don't think that there's another. Let me make sure before. I, I mean, Cleveland Browns come to mind, but but it's Cleveland. That's that's a Cleveland thing. There are people that are Knicks fans in California that, that would lose their mind. California. Yeah. There are people who would fly, like that would travel days to be in New York for like. I again, I've talked about this on on live streams. I get DMs from people in every country and every continent in the world all the time saying you're my you know source for Knicks. And these people stay up until whether it's two in the morning, five in the morning, get up at you know, or, or they're watching at ten in the. They're diehards. And I do think that a Knicks championship would be the biggest moment for any team in professional sports right now. That and say. Then back to, to the point you guys made, this is absolutely a Yankee town and it goes back to what's happened to Boston. Cause that was a Red Sox town, a, a Bruins town, a Celtics town for the longest time, then sustained success by the Patriots turned that into a Patriot town. So the Yankees run in the late nineties. And to be honest, Scott, like the Yankees have never rebuilt in my life. That one season you talked about where they traded everybody in 2016, they won 85 games and almost made the wild card. That's your rebuilding. You know, well, they rebuild in the middle of a season. Yeah. Right. Like it's the most frustrating thing. I've seen the Mets lose 95 games three times. I'm not not playing. I'm not playing victim here. I'm not playing victim. I'm saying it was different and and unique yeah. to the Yankees, and it was fun to watch because they don't ever make trades in the middle of the season. That that like getting rid of, and they won those they won those games because guys came up young mm-hmm. and played well, which was fun. They didn't trade for a guy, you know what I mean? Like they they had their youth do it, which was a different thing. It was just different. Well, then the only other thing I'd offer, and Scott, you can help me on this. Is there any way we put the Jets lower? Because I got very apathetic about that football team this year. Possibly. I think the Rangers could go. I think the Rangers could hop over the Jets. I do think I could mm-hmm. see that happening. It pains me to say that because I, I grew up hating the Rangers more than any other team. I, <laughs> I, I've never, I've never been a baseball. I've never been like a New York fan to like not yeah. like the other team. Like I've never had a problem with the Mets. I've never had a problem with the Giants. 
I, I've never really had a problem with the Knicks. I didn't like some of the early nineties guys, but, or the nineties guys, but, um, I hated the Rangers. Stefan Matteau can. Oh yeah. I, I, <laughs> I hated that team with a passion because it was like a civil war in our schools. Like it was very divided between devils and Rangers growing up in North Jersey. It was very divided. It was very heated. So, and it was a, a time where both teams were good. So it doesn't happen that often. I don't think the, it's funny you mentioned it. I don't think there's that dynamic between Giants and Jets fans. It's conversations about like who sucks more. Like no, no Giant or Jet fan is going to defend themselves to the other side. As a I Jets mean, fan, you can't. <laughs> I don't even know if you can as a Giant fan. For, I mean, I, I don't follow Giants, them that closely, but Giants beat the Patriots. Giants beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. They're my heroes. Like I have no animosity toward the Giants. Yeah. Same. I agree. Um, I, th- I don't think you could put the Jets lower uh, and, and just because it's football. It's, it has less to do with the Jets yeah. and more to do with the, with football to me as, as opposed to I agree hockey. with that. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Plus there's a yearning for it. And, and l- let me say one last thing on this, on this topic, if you don't please. mind. Yeah. The Yankees-Knicks thing. Don't forget that it's been a while since the Yankees have won a championship too in, in, in Yankee world. So our fans, when you think about the expectations for Yankees fans, not the outside looking in, but the Yankees fans, it's been a long time. And it pains us. We need to win. So there's going to be a, that parade is also going to be nuts. You same, a lot of the same fans. You just reminded me there is a, um, I don't know if it's a meme on, on Twitter of that. Some, I think, I don't know who put it up. It's, it's someone pointing out a, a bad Laker lineup from a few years ago um, before they got LeBron. And I don't, I don't know who the hell is in it. And um, talking about how the pain that they endured um all the way up to last season when the Lakers won it all. And um, I guess their last championship was 2010 with Kobe Bryant and Pagasol. And like Nick fans predictably made fun of it because it's like, really, um, you know, we've had, we've, we've seen some things. It do do Yankee fans genuinely feel like they have had a, a hard go of things? I don't think it's a hard go. I just think it's uh there. I think we're ready to just, it's, I wouldn't say it's a hard go. That's not it. That's not the, that's not the sentiment. It's okay. Cause I understand what that, what that looks and feels like, but that being said, like there are, they should have won. There's, there's opportunities where they could have won. And what you're, when you look back to like after 2009, after they won and then, and then there were opportunities missed, like there are opportunities missed. So it's a little bit of like a, all right, we're ready for the next one, but it's not like nobody's playing victim over here. I don't think mm. it's not that at least the, the people, the, the Yankees fans that will be, you know, real with you and not the ones that are just like spoiled because there are spoiled Yankees fans. There's no doubt. Um, but the hardcore ones, they understand that, that that's not, that's not the quite the sentiment, but we're ready, we're ready for it. Like it doesn't temper the expectation or the excitement for when one does happen and understanding that it hasn't happened in a while is uh, it makes it that much more exciting. I think. All right. I'm going to end it with, uh, I'm going to ask you for three predictions. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, prediction one is easy. Give me your world series prediction. Um, prediction two, um, give me your prediction for, um, MVPs, um, in each league. And then last Yankee specific, um, how do you think this Yankee pitching staff is going to work out? You referenced it a little bit before, um, talking about Cole and then everybody else after Cole. So, um, give me your, give me your thoughts on those three. All right. So, uh, Yankees win the world series. I would be, uh, I would be wouldn't be the homer that I need to be. Uh, I mean, they have the ability to do that. So of course, that's what I expect. I expect them to compete for a world series over, uh, over the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are so good on that side of things, though it's going to, it would be a, um, it would be a dog fight, but I think that the the Dodgers are are very good as well. Uh, So it would be a fight, but that would be an epic world series. Yankees Dodgers. It's a a classic that I think a lot of would do would be good for baseball. Um, the Mets Yankees would be great too. I, I I'll root for that. I'm, I'm good with that. Y- Yankees Mets. Like to me, when the city's alive with two teams, like that's a good time. Like, yeah. You want that rival to be up there. Um, the second question was uh, MVP. uh, MVPs. Yeah. So um, I'll go uh, Aaron judge. If he's healthy, he's got the ability to be the MVP. If the Yankees are winning the world series, you could definitely look at the Yankees to be, uh, you know, have uh, an MVP caliber uh, player up there. Um, and then on the other side, I mean, it almost feels like it's too easy, but, but Mookie Betts is, is the best player on a damn good team. I mean, like the, the amount of support he has in that Dodgers lineup now is insane. So I expect him to put up just massive numbers. Um, uh, if we're looking outside of, uh, of, of Aaron judge, um, 
you know, there's, there's a number of, of guys that, uh, some, I think the White Sox are going to be a really good team. I would, would, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Abreu put up a, another huge year and was, was right there as well. So I think that's a, a, another stacked team that's, that's really, uh, you know, ascending. Um, what was the last question? Um, oh, Yankee. Well, it sounds like you kind of already answered it cause you think they're going to win the world series, but I, I was asking how you think the Yankee pitching staff is going to work out behind, uh, Garrett Cole. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be like, I, I like the unknown a little bit for me because I didn't want to walk in with the same shit we've been watching for the past, you know, three years or so. So give me some new guys to, to get excited about. I'm good. I think Garrett Cole is going to have a very good year. Um, Severino, I think is going to be uh, coming back after the, uh, the all-star break. I'm excited to see him. Wouldn't even be surprised if he slotted in as like a back of the uh, bullpen guy, depending on how the rotation was, was set up until that point Really? He's done it before. Wouldn't surprise me. They're going to have an innings limit, a pitch limit on him anyway. Okay. So it would not surprise me depending on the timeline. Um, but he was like the then, best young pitcher in like the it's world. Been a long time. It's been a long time. It's been a while. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, you have, you have uh, Tommy John and then a, a, you know, a lost COVID year. It's like, there's been a, there's been a gap. So who knows? Like you see guys that, that, that go through that and then don't really come back the same. You don't know. I hope he's a, a fixture in that rotation for years to come, but he's not going to be back probably till after the all-star break anyway. So I think it depends on what that team looks like at that point and what they need. Okay. Also, I think I, I could see that being in consideration. Um, but Corey Kluber, I mean, he's not the Cy Young Corey Kluber anymore. So I have, you know, I, I hope he just stays healthy and gives us, you know, some, some good innings. I don't think he's going to be a dominant pitcher by any means. I think Jamison Tyone is a, is a guy to look out for. Um, he's, Second Tommy John surgery, redone his mechanics a lot more. He's got a, a much shorter delivery in, in the in the back of his um, uh, of his arm motion, and he looks really good. I mean, he's got the pedigree to be a damn good pitcher. I'm excited to to watch him. He's got a really good story off the field that's overcome cancer. Like the guy's just one yeah. you root for. Easy guy to root for. Who was you know battling back from two Tommy John. So definitely excited to to watch him. And then there's some young guys. Davey Garcia. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is coming back a first full year after Tommy John could be very good. I think he's going to be a, a very good number three, you know, as you, as we move on into the year. So I expect good things from him. Davey Garcia is a young kid came up at the end of last year. Um, he's fun to watch. He's got that little mini Pedro flair to him. Um, but he's, uh, he also wears a 45 on his belt for Pedro. Um, he's fun to watch. He's got the demeanor of a, of a, you know, a crafty veteran, but he's a young kid, you know, uh, 23, 24, 25 years old. So fun to watch. Um, I, so I'm excited for the, I'm excited for them. It could go either way though. They could, you, they could be destroyed with injuries at the same time in the, in the first month. <laughs> but your excitement is like, I'm like, it's, it's oh, real. You're ready, I, could you're ready no, I could tell how excited you are. Yeah. It, I, it's when you have the unknown to me is the most exciting thing. I like the unknown. I like the, the fact that developmental there's like, there's kids that are, that are coming up that are, that are ready to make a mark. Like that's exciting for me. Awesome. It's a pure baseball part of me. I'm going to watch some baseball this year. I'm saying it. I'm, I'm committing. I'm making a commitment. I'm going to no, do it. No, uh, no sewn jerseys in half of Yankees. Oh, God, no, God, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I, the confessional needs to stay in the confessional, not outwardly public. You know, we'll, we'll keep this all between us. Look, it, I, it's still, I, I, I think I'm, I'd be a divorced man if I, <laughs> uh, if my house turned into a Yankee house. So it's, it's going to be a Met house. Too. But I will, I will, I will watch the Yankees because it sounds like they do have an exciting team. Um, and uh, yeah, what the hell? It's 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 baseball, like you said, it's great. Um, Andrew, anything else we forgot? No, I if, if it helps, Scott, if I could throw an olive branch, olive branch. I also have the Yankees and the Dodgers in the World Series, and I think this is another year where I will get I'll get to stop hearing twenty seven rings because it will be twenty eight rings now. So. <laughs> What, I'll what make they, that prediction oh, I, now. I understand what you're doing here, by the way. You're yeah, not, you're not, reverse you're jinx, not, baby. You're not, you're not <laughs> slick. You're like you're not going under the radar here. What uh -huh. you're doing is you're you're again setting the you're identifying the the other shoe. It's going to drop. You you expect that as a Mets fan. So anything that doesn't that goes beyond that is great. It's gravy. It's, it's beyond expectations. It's setting yourself up for a very good year. I understand it. It's smart. Uh -huh. I would do it, the same. Being a Knicks fan has taught me that. And by the way, you mentioned that a Met Yankee World Series would be fun. I want no part of that. Why? Because remember how the last one went? You got to have fun during that. Watching I remember that one. Derek Jeter throw out Timo Perez because he stopped running. Watching Todd Zeal hit three. 379 foot balls to the fence. If they just come 379 and a half foot, it's two home runs. No, it's now two outs instead. Okay, I'm ranting. You're done. Um, <laughs> I do think the Yankees are, I would be shocked if they're not a hundred game winner and deep into October next year. 
Yeah. If the pitching holds up in the playoffs, they have an opportunity. That's a big, a big, big piece of this. So we'll see. Well, here's to uh, good baseball from uh, all the teams in New York. Scott, before we get out of here, can you please remind the folks at home where they could find you and your stuff? Yeah, gentlemen, thank you very much. I appreciate this. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scott Reinen, R-E-I-N-E-N, uh, Bronx Pinstripes, at Bronx Pinstripes. And then finally, our podcast is at Yankees Podcast, uh, at Bronx Pinstripes across all the socials. So, gentlemen, this was a, a great time. I appreciate the uh, the efforts here. And I'm, I'm rooting for the Knicks. I really am. Uh, I have... I hope they. I hope they. Uh, I hope they do well. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge fan of the super teams, to be honest. Like it feels dirty a little bit. If I'm being very uh, honest, it about is the Nets. dirty. It yeah, is dirty. It feels a little, and and it's weird. I think a Yankees fan saying that because of the uh, the amount of money that went to teams, but even those teams, I'd say like, they feel different. They feel different when you have yeah. some homegrown guys. When you have uh, guys that don't expect it, it's a it's a sweeter taste. I, I'd say so. We'll see. We, we shall see. Um, I agree. This was a lot of fun. You've made me a, a smarter sports smarter sports fan, which I appreciate. Um, Andrew, thanks for chiming in as well. Um, and everybody out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, feel free to drop us a review, a rating, um, and, uh, you know, tell your friends to uh, take a listen, and they might enjoy it, uh, whether they enjoy baseball or basketball. So even two, two for one. And we will see you with our next episode on Friday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.